What's up, guys? It is finally here. It's game week, baby. Uh, we're pumped, and I know you guys are too. We've all suffered through the offseason together. It's been a long, hard, arduous offseason. But now the clouds have parted, man, and those three to four months that we all live for, they have mercifully arrived. Kirk, can you feel it, man? Can you feel it? It's it's feeling it's here. And did you like did you did you go outside today by chance? It felt like football season. Like I mean, what was scary though is watching like uh, Colorado State Bobo and some of these other games on week zero, and this weekend just felt had you know went outside and did some exercise and stuff. Oh, good. Weather. Yeah, I mean, I, it was Sunday morning. I was outside just doing some stuff in the yard with my wife, and dude, it, it even at that point it was like it's like seventy degrees outside. And then it got a little warmer yesterday, but today it did not warm up that much at all. I mean, we were it's about seventy five, maybe eighty degrees with a nice, cool, crisp breeze, dude. It it absolutely felt like football season, man. So it is here, and I'm definitely feeling it. Uh, so welcome into this game week edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and as always, on the other end of the line is Curtis, and we are your humble co-host here on the Glory UGA podcast. We have today for you guys we have a host of predictions for the 2017 season. Uh, so we're gonna have all that for you guys today. But before we move in that direction, we do first want to encourage everyone to follow and interact with us. Definitely interact with us, guys. We always appreciate your thoughts. You can do that on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA, uh, if you're not already doing so. Uh, we are getting new listeners, man, each and every week, and we want to hear from all of you guys. Uh, and if social media isn't necessarily your, your thing, which I get it, uh, you can go old school. You can email us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out everything we have going on on the Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. Uh, and for our newer listeners, we do just want to quickly make sure you know that you can find the show on a multitude of podcasts podcasting platforms, including the, the obvious ones, iTunes and SoundCloud, but also the Stitcher and TuneIn apps and uh, com, where we did first get our start a couple years back. And if you get the chance, we would greatly appreciate you guys taking the time to rate and review the show on your preferred platform. We really do, guys. We want to know what you think, good or bad. We're into constructive criticism. We like to hear your thoughts. You can be respectful about it if, if there's something you want to change or if you want us to do different. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, so, we really do. We just want to kind of bring you, make sure we're bringing you guys what you want, and the best way to make sure that's happening is to hear from you guys. We also love to hear your thoughts on the topics we discuss on the show. You guys have some great football knowledge out there. Uh, and as the season is upon us, and we actually have light, live football to discuss, uh, it'd be awesome if you guys could help us out by sharing the links to the show, retweeting, and just spreading the word generally about what we have going on here on the podcast, if you do indeed like it, I guess you probably at least somewhat kind of maybe a little bit enjoy it if you are listening today. We uh, would seriously appreciate any help to that end. Uh, all right, with that out of the way, let's move into the meat of the show. We have a lot of things going on today, so we're going to try to get through this. Uh, we've been holding out on doing this show, the, pre- uh, the prediction show, preseason prediction so, show, so that we could kind of let preseason camp play itself out with all the position battles, the injuries that inevitably occur. You know, we had one ourselves with Malcolm Parrish, the suspensions. Um, you know, Tennessee's had some issues, although did you see the Tennessee junk, dude? Like how they're they're just cherry picking what games those guys are gonna miss. No, I did not see that. That is I mean that's at least that's the word. I don't know if that's officially come down, but there was some some word that was gonna be the case. And you know, Florida's got a lot of stuff going a lot of stuff going on down there. But you know, we've had our fair share of stuff in the past too, so we're not really ones to throw stones. But we wanna let all that stuff play out so that we could give you guys the most accurate predictions possible. But as we've now entered game week, I mean, dude, we, we just can't wait any longer. The time is now. So Kurt and I 
are each going to give you our predicted order of finish for both the SEC East and the SEC West. And along with that, we're going to give you the predicted win totals for each team. We did, guys. We, we, took, we printed off the helmet schedule, the SEC helmet schedule, and printed every single game on the SEC to make sure that all the win-loss numbers align correctly. And at the end of the show, we'll also give our SEC title picks, talk about the playoff a little bit, and uh, just run through a couple quick things for you guys. Should be a good show. We're, we're excited to be doing this one today. Uh, we will do one division at a time, going from number seven all the way to number one. Start at the bottom, head up to the top. And uh, as we're going through the list, we'll give, we, we will give a brief explanation of our picks. And then afterwards, uh, after we've both gone through our picks, we'll discuss any differences, similarities, so on and so forth that we may have. All right, Kurt, you ready for this, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's roll. Uh, let's start in the SEC East. All about the East. We're gonna, the East is going to make a comeback this year. Uh, we're going to start in last place. I'm going to let you go first, dude. Start, starting with number seven in the East, working your way up the line. Go ahead. Take it away, my friend. All right. Um, last place in the East, I'm going with Vanderbilt this year. Boom. I like it. What's, why? why you know, this is a team that made a bowl last year. Why are they going to fall back down into their perennial seller position? Um, I think one of the biggest things is their schedule. I mean, first off, you know, I think Kansas State's a very tough non-conference. Uh, or, I mean, I'm not really getting to Kansas State, but um, – That is a know, tough that, non-conference game. You're right. Well, yeah. And see, that right there is a hurt them. And then you had a draw like Alabama yeah. um, from the West, which is, you know, everyone Brutal. knows Bama is. And then, I mean, you got – Ole Miss, who I'm expecting Ole Miss to have a little bit of a down season, a little bit, but it's still at Ole Miss, um, which NC Vanderbilt beat them last year, so I think that's going to give them a little bit extra to go on. Yeah. And then just the rest of the schedule, I mean, you're at Florida, you're at Tennessee, you're at South Carolina, and the Georgia at home. So, I mean, they could lose to Kentucky and Missouri easily. I mean, I think Missouri could give them a tough game. And Middle Um, Tennessee State to open the season. Do not downplay the Blue Raiders, man. No, and see, Stocks I still can play quarterback. I'm trying to focus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, on the SEC, but I mean, they could easily lose Kentucky, Missouri, and they could be possibly one, maybe zero SEC wins this year. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm a spoiler alert here for my picks. I'm with you 100 percent of the way. And you mentioned the Kentucky, Missouri. I have them losing to both those teams at home. I just think they're both better than Vanderbilt. But uh, I'll get into my stuff in a little bit. I think you're right, though, man. I think I, I'm with you. Vanderbilt, seventh place in the East. All right, well, who you got in sixth? Um, at six, I'm actually going with South Carolina. Ooh, okay, okay. Why South Carolina? I have Carolina? them taking a big step back this year, and I think the biggest thing is is just their schedule as a whole. I mean, um, you know, I have them losing six SEC games, and I actually Whoa. have them going four and eight. As, as a whole in the season. This is a bowl team last year. Had a true freshman quarterback for most of the year. The guy's going to be a sophomore now. People are very high on him. You don't see it? You're not seeing it for the Gamecocks this year? Well, no, the biggest thing is, I mean, you got Missouri game two or week two. I think that's really tough because they have a very inexperienced secondary. So that's going to That's such a them. huge game for both those teams. Man. Yeah, it really is. And the thing is, it's at Missouri too, which is going to play in Missouri's favor, I think, in the end. Um, and then, you know, I think A&M, it's at A&M. Another tough game going on the road. I, I see A&M winning. Um, drawing Arkansas as your other team from the West, I think Arkansas is – they're just a solid team. Um, okay. That's how I, how I see them. And then at Tennessee, I think Tennessee is kind of similar to Vandy's. They're going to be looking for, you know, some revenge after last year. I mean, that loss and the Vandy loss really knocked them out. Oh, of yeah, no board. doubt. It's at Tennessee, so, yeah, for sure. And then at Georgia and then Florida at home. 
Yeah, that's and then Clemson too, man. I mean, oh yeah, Clemson lost yeah. too, but yeah, sticking to the sticking to the SEC, SEC yeah. again, yeah. Dude, this I, I'm with you on. I don't have them in six. We'll talk about where I got them in a second here, but I'm with you that the biggest issue for this team is their schedule. I think they might. It's one of those weird circumstances where I think they could. I, I actually expect them to be a better football team versus what they had last year. But with that schedule, I think you're exactly right. How can you expect that schedule that that record to be that much improved with that murderous row schedule? I just don't see it. I'm with you there, man. I'm with you. That's gonna be a tough task for for the Gamecocks there. All right, so you got South Carolina in six. You got pulling up fifth place. In fifth place, I actually have Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay, so what puts Kentucky ahead of South Carolina in your mind? Uh, just uh, in all honesty, I mean, you gotta look at the teams they draw from the West. I mean, they from the West they get Ole Miss and uh, Mississippi State, and those are two. Uh, I think they're going to be a little bit easier games compared to what South Carolina got with A&M at A&M and Arkansas. Okay. Who do you think wins that matchup, South Carolina, it's South Carolina versus Kentucky at South Carolina? I actually have South Carolina winning that game. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that Kentucky's schedule is a little more favorable than South Carolina's. They're both, if you look at them, they're both fairly tough. South Carolina, dude, they've got... I know you're focused on the SEC. They got a couple of tough non-conference games. NC State to open the season, Clemson to to close up those bookends. There, if you look at Kentucky, I mean, they got Louisville at the end of the season. When you got Southern Miss, Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Michigan, those are all games they absolutely should win. So I see you there, man. I see you for sure. So what is your overall record for Kentucky? What'd you put them at? I had them at six and six. You had South Carolina at what? Four and eight. Four and eight. And he had six, six losses in conference for South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Whew, man. Gamecock fans are not going to be liking you, man. Not at all. All right. Who's coming in fourth place here? In fourth place, I have – I'm trying to see who I have in this head-to-head game. I have Missouri coming in fourth. Ooh, okay. So it's down in Missouri and Tennessee for third and fourth. I'm yeah, guessing, that's right? what I have them down to, and I have them uh, – uh, Tennessee winning the head-to-head game. Okay, talk to me about Missouri here. I'm, I'm curious to, um, to see what you think. I think they're going to be a solid offensive team, but I think um, just some of the t- games I have them losing, you know, I have them losing to Auburn. I just think Auburn's a better team. Yeah, um, I have sure. them losing to us, to Florida, because I don't think Florida's defense is going to be that much off the table. And then I have them losing at Arkansas to end the season because just Missouri in the past, they the tails, you know, the wheels always fall off at the end of the season. Yeah, that has been their mo in the past. They finished strong last year against Arkansas to close the season, but they had a, a horrid year. I mean, they were terrible last year, at least defensively. So, what is it that gives Tennessee the edge over Missouri in your mind? I think just uh, I just think the way they play. Um, you know, I don't think that Tennessee may be the better team, but I think they'll be the type of team that they're usually the ones that find ways to win instead of Missouri finding ways to lose. Is it okay? Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. More so, I think Tennessee. Yeah, I guess I guess you could say they find a way to win more so than Missouri does. You think Tennessee just has a better roster at this point still? Um, I don't know if the roster is that much better, but I think they have weapons in certain places to do enough damage to win. Yeah, I think that's honestly. I think whoever wins that game could probably take that number three spot in the East. That's, yeah, that's exactly. How I feel. I think it's that game to me is a major toss up. Yeah, absolutely for sure. I, I kind of. On Missouri's schedule, I'll get to Missouri here in a little bit of mine. I think you guys might be surprised at where I have them. But uh, I went back and forth on a couple of games from Missouri. Um, 
That Tennessee one was definitely one that I was looking at very closely. I actually ended up giving Missouri the win there, but you're right. I think it's a it's one of those toss-up games. I could see it going either way, so I can't fault you at all there. All right, so yeah, Missouri four, Tennessee third. Yes. And then four. Okay, well, quickly on Tennessee. Why can they not contend for the SEC East title? Why are they not in that number one or number two slot? Because this was the prohibitive favorite coming in the 2016 season. What's different about this team? Um, I think just the schedule. I mean, yeah, you get Georgia at home, but other than that, you're going to Florida. Last year they got Florida at home, and it was you know it was third year to beat Florida. Um, then you're going to Alabama, and I still just don't think they have the horses to beat an LSU team. Yeah, home. I mean, you're drawing Alabama and LSU from the West. Whew, that's that's pretty rough. That's, I mean, you get, you're right at Florida, and they get they do get us at home. Um, you got South Carolina at home, but man, that's not. Oof, yeah, that's that's not conducive to being a, a schedule that's going to. Put them in the top one or two spots there in the East. I'm with you on there on that one. All right, so that brings us to the top two. You got Georgia and Florida, man. So it's just tell me straight up who's going to win the East. I have Georgia. I actually have Florida going, um, losing three games in the SEC. Florida, it's going five and three in the in the SEC. No, the, yeah, they're going five and three in the SEC, seven and five total. Seven and five. Yes. Ooh, talk to me about that, man. Where are you seeing that? Go well, through their schedule. Three, Give me the with, losses. With the two other losses, I'm going Michigan game one. I know Michigan has a lot of inexperience, but Harbaugh has been recruiting well. And then you're going to go oh, look yeah. at Matt Wayne, who has uh, uncertainty at quarterback yeah. and uncertainty in the players. Come, I mean, you got suspended players. Callaway's out. Yeah, you're right, man. Like, honestly. I think the quarterback uncertainty without. Callaway. I mean, any quarterback could, you know, complete a couple long passes to Callaway to get the offense going. But without him, I just don't see that. And Michigan, while they have some inexperience, they at least have an experienced quarterback coming in who's, you know, played in some of these big time games. Yeah, he has, man. I, I this is another game that I've gone back and forth. If Florida had Callaway and they had some semblance of what they wanted to do at the quarterback position, I think Florida is more equipped to win that football game. I think they're the better football team, the more experienced football team. I don't think Florida's spectacular, but Michigan lost so much. They're returning like, essentially three or four starters from last year's team. So there's some other guys got some playing time, but they lost a ton of production. But with Florida, Florida's quarterback situation, like you mentioned, and who knows if, if he actually means it, or maybe it's just coach speak, but with McElwain talking about possibly th- playing three quarterbacks, no Callaway out there, I don't know, man. Ah, That's a tough one. I went back and forth on that one too. All right, so you got Michigan beating Florida. Where else are they losing? Florida State. Yeah, okay, Florida State for sure. I got that one as a loss. I mean, they haven't scored an offensive touchdown on Florida, I think, in three years or something like that, or against Florida State in like three years, something crazy like that. Uh, so who are they losing to in the conference? Uh, LSU, a and Georgia. Oh, dude, I hope LSU. So that's three in a row. You guys are losing three in a row in the middle of the season. LSU, LSU at I home. Do. I know those, the, 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 those two in a row are SEC games. I mean, home games. But the biggest thing is that's a that I mean that's a low key tough schedule. Those three and those three because are, because look, Vanderbilt's the week before LSU. Vanderbilt. While I don't see Vanderbilt winning, I see Vanderbilt being playing very physical, like they're known to do. Yeah, and that's gonna hurt you come LSU. And I think LSU's gonna be out to you know make a statement after what happened last year. Oh, how McElwain ran his freaking mouth. Oh yeah, my god. And yes. then I just see LS or A and M. I just think they have too many weapons. A and M is a conundrum for me, man. Like they are every year. I mean, you guys, if you were listening to the show last year, I, had, I was very high on them last year coming into this season, and they made me look very, very smart, like a genius, even 
for the first half of the season, and they maybe look like, look like a complete fool as they face pin like they do every single year, at least since they've been in the conference. And also, here's another game just to watch out for. Here's another one that I went back and forth on a couple of times. Florida at Missouri following the cocktail party. At Missouri coming off the game in Jacksonville. Yeah, Sneaky. Where South Carolina's a trap game yes. for us, we at least get them at home. Maybe. Right, and that's, I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. I think this is also a trap game for Florida. Missouri is fully capable of beating that team. That offense is nasty. And it's the trap game scenario coming right off Jacksonville. Ooh, man, that's that's a sneaky one there for the Gators. That is a sneaky one. So I think I, I, I'm I'm with you to a degree because the the conversation around Florida for most of the offseason has been their schedule is very favorable because they would have like five conference home games because of the snafu with LSU last year and the hurricane having to play at LSU two years in a row and I get LSU at home two years in a row. Um, so and so people have been pointing at that how Florida's been pretty good at home under Jim McElwain. But I do think you're right. There's some there's a sneaky stretch here. That four game stretch, LSU, A and M. You get a bye week, then the cocktail party, and then at Missouri, and then oh by the way, this stretch out to a five game stretch at Missouri, then at South Carolina. So well, it's not a it's not a, a schedule that's going to necessarily keep you from winning the, the conference. There are some sneaky tough situations for them to fall in there. You got to open against Michigan, and you're booking against Florida State. Uh, it's tough, man. I, I'm with you. I think it's tough. I think it's a tougher slate than people have been giving it credit for throughout the offseason. All right. So that means you've got the Georgia Bulldogs finishing first in the SEC East. Dude, you are such a freaking homer. I'm just gonna throw that I out try, there. I try not to be. I love such games, a homer. So I know. I know. And isn't that weird how you do? Like you try not to be a homer so much that you kind of err on the side of caution to where you're just like almost hating on your own team. It's weird how that kind of happens. All right, so tell me why. Why are we the favorites in the SEC East, in your mind, over Florida? Um, I just think the talent. Um, you're seeing the, the roster turnover finally start happening to Kirby Smart. We're trying to build a roster where, you know, the roster management wasn't great under the previous regime. So we're finally starting to see you know, some quality depth being built. And I also think it's the, the flip side for Florida where they've had poor roster management since McElwain's taken over. And he hasn't had good – he hasn't replaced – the players that are, have been leaving with players of the quality that were there before. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about that with our uh, Florida preview show, but you're, I mean, it, the fact remains that's true. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that. I mean, they still have weapons, but they don't have the weapons across the board like they did before. I think they have more I mean, weapons offensively than they've had in the past several years, but their defense is going to take a step back, in my opinion. They're not going to fall off the face of the earth, but I do think they're going to take well, a step back. See, like we talked about before, their offense is going to be improved. But it's not going to be improved to the level that to compensate for their defensive step. The, yeah, the step back their defense take defensively. was top, like top. I mean, yeah, I mean that 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 defense was a top. In my mind, that was a top five defense nationally the past couple of years. And it's just it's gonna, they're going to be good defensively. They're not going to be terrible or anything. They're, like I said, they're not going to fall off the face of the earth. But they're not going to be dominant. They're not going to be an elite unit. They lost just way too much production. Sure, they're gonna, they have some guys like CC Jefferson and, and Zaniga on the edges there to to make some plays to maybe replace some of the guys that they lost, but there's no way they can replace all the production they lost last year. They just lost too much. There's just no way. And the offense, well, I do think will be improved, barring, well, we'll see what, well, that's dependent upon the quarterback situation, how that plays out. Um, but I just, I'm with you, man. I don't think they're going to be improved enough on offense to compensate for the step back they're going to take defensively. I think it might be a, a net result of a kind of coming out of where they were last year, kind of, kind of about the same level. And I think that we are going to take a step forward and that might push us over the top into Atlanta uh, at the first weekend of December. All right, man. So I'm going to run through mine here real quick. Uh, I, I gave you guys a couple of my thoughts as Kurt was running through his. So I'm doing my best to keep this short. You guys, if you listen to the show, you know I'm not 
great at brevity. I'm going to try my yeah. best, though. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm long-winded. I just love this stuff. Uh, all right, so I'm going to go. I'm with you on number seven here. Uh, we both have Vanderbilt coming in last place. Uh, just quickly here, I think Vanderbilt was the luckiest team in the league last year. They really were. Uh, I know they they finished six and six in the regular season, go to a bowl game, lose to NC State. But there's no way that team could have been a bowl team last year. Uh, you guys, if you listen to the show, you know um, I'm big on uh, total yards differentials, basically taking subtracting the, the number of yards they gave up from the number of yards they gained. They Vanderbilt came out to minus 685 total yards last year. They, they were not a good football team. They, in fact, they were a very bad football team. They benefited from, A, us just being stupid and playing down to them. There's no other way to describe it than just us being freaking stupid. And they played Ole Miss and Tennessee late in the season after both those teams were decimated by injury and happened to luck up and win those games. That's not going to happen this year. I don't think any of those three things are going to happen this year. This team, I, I just don't see how they're going to finish above seven. I really don't. I just, I'm not seeing it right now. Uh, I got a little bit of a difference between uh, you here. Well, you and I kind of just flipped a couple of teams. You had South Carolina in the six hole, I've in Kentucky in the five hole. I've got Kentucky in the six hole, South Carolina in the five hole. Uh, Kentucky, you know, they were seven and five last year, but similar to Vanderbilt, that was smoke and mirrors to a large part. Um, they were going back to yards differential. They were minus one eighty two in total yards differential last year. That was fourth worst in the league. Uh, and then the other kind of mid level teams in the division, I would consider Missouri and South Carolina. I think they're both going to be better this year. I'm not sure how much of a step forward Kentucky's going to take this year. With South Carolina and Missouri taking steps forward, I think they probably lose both those games and end up uh, missing out on the bowl. I have them finishing 5-7 and seven overall, 2-6 and six in the league. So, sorry, Wildcats. I uh, hope you enjoyed last year. Uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. I mentioned this a little bit uh, when you were going over yours, Kurt. I do think this is going to be an improved football team versus where they were a year ago. But as you mentioned, man, I'm with you 1,000% on this. With that schedule, I'm just not sure the record will reflect an improved football team. I don't think it's going to be much better. I mean, you've got uh, games NC State to open the season, Clemson to close the season, those bookend ACC matchups. I don't think South Carolina is going to beat NC State. How do you? Who did you pick in that game, NC State versus I Carolina? NC State. Yeah, I mean, it's just a really bad matchup for South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina's weakness offensively is clearly their offensive line. They, they were worse than us on the offensive line last year, that, and that's saying something. You guys all know that. But NC State has one of the best defensive lines in the country. It's just a horrible matchup for South Carolina. I got, and that's it's against the neutral side, but it's in Charlotte, so I'm going NC State there. You got games at AN, you got games at Tennessee. You, they're playing here in Athens. It's just a brutal slate, man. And then of course you still got Florida. Uh, I just I think they're gonna be better, but I don't think the schedule is gonna reflect. I have them finishing six and six, making it back to a bowl game, but the same six and six record from last year, uh, four and four in conference. Then let's move to number three and four here. Again, uh, you had we're, we're just reversing our order here. You had Missouri coming in fourth and Tennessee third. I flipped it around. I've got Tennessee coming in fourth and Missouri. Missouri Tigers making a resurgence in the SEC East all the way up to the number three spot. Tennessee, man, look, they just lost so much on both sides of the ball. And while that happens in college football, I mean, turnover is the nature of the beast. I just don't think they're replacing all of those stars with equal or better talent. Are they? No. I just don't see it. And I mean, at least not based on what I've seen to this point. I mean, you're losing a guy like Josh Dobbs. Okay, you're replacing him with Dormandy or Garantano. Are either of those guys going to replace Dobbs' production? No. I don't see it in year one. You're replacing Hurd and Kamara with John Kelly. John Kelly's a decent back, but 
Is he going to replace the production they had at running back last year? The versatility? I don't see it. Uh, you're placing jo- Josh Malone with Jawan Jennings. Uh, Jennings was a good player from last year, but I don't know. I mean, do you, do you see Jennings as a Josh Malone caliber player? No. I don't either. And and he's about all they've got. I mean, he benefited from from Josh Malone being on the roster last year. It'll be interesting to see what Jawan Jennings can do as the number one guy. The the guy they were hoping at some point would be the number one guy, Preston Williams. He's gone. He got he left the school. He transferred out. Derek Barnett's the best pass rusher in school history. Maybe the best defensive player in school history. And they're replacing him with Jonathan Kongbo, who played primarily defensive tackle last year. Ah, that's not happening. You got Jalen Reese Maven, who's gone inside linebacker. Darren Kirkland was going to be the heir apparent there. Played a lot last year, but he's hurt right now. I don't know how long he's going to be out. And Cortez McDowell, the other inside linebacker, is god awful. He's terrible. One of the worst linebackers I've seen in the SEC. I mean, in years, he's terrible. No instinct for the position at all. And it makes sense. He's a converted safety. Then you got Cam Sutton, who was a great corner for them for many years. Uh, had some injury issues last year. Also, a, a really good punt return guy. And you're replacing him with Shaq Wiggins. Uh, I mean, what's, was this his third team in four years? Five years, right? I mean, guy can't stay on a football team. So, I mean, for anybody to expect Tennessee to be in the upper echelon of the East, you're basically counting on there to be no drop-off at quarterback. You're counting on Jennings replacing Josh Malone's production receiver, Cleo McKenzie and Shaxel not only returning from injury from last year defensive tackle, but becoming all SEC-type players on the defensive line. Uh, Jonathan Kongbo, who played defensive tackle with him last year, replacing production of the best pass rusher in school history. You're expecting all of that to happen, and all those guys making big jumps in year two. Sure, some of them probably will, but you just can't count on all that to happen. So I'm not high on Tennessee this year. I got them finishing seven and five overall, three and five in the SEC. If that happens, Kurt, what happens to Butch Jones? He's gone. He's gone if that happens. Not. I mean, I'm not. You know, Mr. Dom is here. I, I I probably am going to be wrong on their prediction, but. If that happens, I think it's a real possibility if you look at that schedule. I mean, is that unreasonable to say seven and five for this team? No. Yeah, if that happens, I uh, he better he better be looking for a new place to move to. Uh, all right, and that brings me to number three team, the Missouri Tigers. Uh, you guys are gonna think I'm crazy here, and I probably am. I'll own that. But I've got the Missouri Tigers. Listen to this: Missouri Tigers finishing nine and three overall. Five and three in the SEC, and to be honest with you, when I went through this the first time, I actually had them ten and two. I had them beating Florida. Then I went back and thought about it more, and kind of tortured myself and went ahead and picked Florida over them. So I got Missouri finishing nine and three because ten and two. I'll get that. That just doesn't seem reasonable. But hear me out here. I know you probably saying, "Dude, you're crazy," and I get that. But just hear me out for a second here. For me, my Missouri pick at nine and three is all about this offense. This was the best offense. The defense is going to be a huge liability. Absolutely. And I, I 100% am with you. This defense was the issue last year. They gave it 480 yards a game. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. But here's my, here's my reason for hope for Missouri. That defensive performance last year was a stark departure from the previous three to four seasons. I mean, they we talked about Florida's not going to fall off the face of the earth this year defensively, even though they're losing a lot of guys. Missouri did. They fell literally off the face of the earth last year. They were 118th in the country in total defense. They gave up, like I said, 480 yards a game last year. But listen to this. The three years prior to the 2016 season, they finished on average 37th nationally in total defense and only gave an average of 354 yards a game over those three seasons. Okay? So what happened last year? I mean, they that is the definition of falling off the face of the earth. In, in my opinion... I believe with Barry Odom, who's another head coach, is a defensive guy. He was the defensive coordinator of that Missouri unit that finished number six nationally in 2015. 
So I think they're going to get this problem fixed. I think Odom's going to take that personally. What happened last year, he took over the defensive play call duties later in the season last year. There's a little bit of improvement, not a ton, but a little bit. The one thing I have to say, though, that Odom can't make up for is what led those defenses to be so good, and that was the defensive line. Yeah, he, he can't make up for personnel. That's true. I mean, you don't, you don't have a guy like Shane Ray or Michael Sh- yeah, you know, you're right. You're 100% right. They, they, there's no Shane Ray. There's no Michael Sam. There's no Kentrell Brothers at inside linebacker. But I will say, I mean, Terry Beckner Jr. is a guy who's, who's a five-star recruit. And they don't get many five-star recruits, uh, particularly guys on the defensive line, who was hurt the vast majority of the season last year. He should be back full force this year. I think that can make a difference for them. Uh, Marcel Frazier, who's, I mean, he, listen, he's not Shane Ray. He's not Michael Sam. He's not that kind of guy. But he's a good pass rusher. Uh, he's good enough. Look, I'm not saying this team's going to jump back into the, the top 20, top 25 defensively, but if they can just move back to like the top 75 nationally, giving up maybe a 400 yards game as opposed to 480 and 118th nationally, if they can get back even just to that range, like somewhat respectability, they're going to win a lot of football games because that offense is flat out nasty. And I think Drew Locke is poised to become one of the top quarterbacks in the country. I mean, I... I Look, I, I realize 9-3 is pretty aggressive for Missouri. I do. But, I mean, I'm trying to be intellectually honest here. I didn't, when I went through their schedule, I was trying to be as objective as possible. I didn't go into this saying, hey, man, Missouri's going to be that sleeper team. I took through their schedule, and it's like, I just think they're going to win this game. I mean, they're going to win that game. I mean, I have them losing to Auburn at home, losing in Athens, although I do think they're going to give us a run for our money. Um, and I have them losing to Florida. Uh, at home, but I thought long and hard about that Florida game. They got Tennessee at home. I think it's a very winnable game getting Tennessee at home. Now, if it was in Knoxville, mm, and they pushed Tennessee for at least a half last year. Um, you got South Carolina at home. Non-conference is nothing. You got Missouri State, Purdue at home, Idaho, and UConn. So this is, I mean, there nine wins on the table for this team. That offense averaged 500 yards a game last year. They have basically everyone back, 10 starters, including the tandem of Drew Locke, Jamon Moore, and Demaria Crockett, which we've said a couple times throughout the offseason. Missouri was the only team in the league last year to have a 3,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard receiver, and a 1,000-yard rusher. I mean, this team has the makings. they got to they got to do it defensively. But last year, I, I have to believe last year was the anomaly based on the previous years. And you're right, the personnel is not there like it has been. But if they can just get back to somewhat respectable, I'm talking like top 75, this team can win games their offense is that good. All right, and uh, that brings me to our top two here. Got Florida and Georgia. I'm with you 100%, man. Uh, I I got I got us in the East. Uh, and look, call me a homer if you want. Uh, and that's probably partly true. Um, but I try to we try to be as objective with this as possible. And I'm I'm just echoing a lot of what Curtis said here with the personal losses on defense at Florida, coupled with the drop off in recruiting of defensive prospects. I just don't see any way that that Florida defense does not take a step back. Uh, they'll be good, but they're going to take a step back. And let's also talk about this. They're, they're working on a new defensive coordinator. Jeff Collins is now the head coach at Temple. He's gone, okay? And if you look at – you know, I keep hearing guys like Greg McElroy talk about Florida – and I know we keep bringing up McElroy, but it's true. Like, well, Florida's just – they got so much defensive talent there. I mean, they're just going to plug in guys. Is Florida at, at Alabama's level defensively they just plug and play? No, they have – They've struggled to get into the top 10 in recruiting the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, i got some numbers to back that up. Over the past three recruiting cycles, the average defensive signee for Florida, and we talked about this on our Florida preview show, the Sky and the Enemy show, their average defensive signee for the past three recruiting cycles since Jim McElwain's been there is number 421 nationally. 421. That is not a, a typo there. 421. And if you take all the defensive signees over the past I mean, if you, t- if you take that, all those signings, it comes out to 421. They have signed zero, zero five stars and only 10 four stars in that same three-year time frame. And so you're telling me they're losing guys like 
Caleb Brantley, who was their best and most disruptive defensive lineman by far last year. They're starting inside linebackers and Davis and Anzalone, losing both starting corners, Quincy Wilson and Jalen Tabor. Both safeties gone. Marcus May's gone. Marcel Harris got hurt in the preseason. He's out. You're telling me they're losing all those guys with the lack of recruiting success they've had, and they're going to replace them and just fine as a plug-and-play situation? There's no way in hell that's true. There's just no way. And they got some decent players. Zaniga and Jefferson are going to be really good players for them uh, at the pass rushing positions. Duke Dawson and Chauncey Gardner are pretty good, but they're not the caliber of Wilson, Tabor, May, or Harris. If they were, they would have been playing last year. So they're going to take a step back. How much, I guess, remains to be seen. Um, but for us, look, there, there's no guarantee. I'm not sitting here guaranteeing that we're going to win the East. I, that would be ridiculous. I just think that we have the best roster. I think if you look at our roster, we have the highest upside of anyone in the division. If, if, if things work out like we hope they do, our upside is higher than everyone else. Now, we don't know if it's going to work out. I, I'm of the opinion that it will, more so than not, uh, at most key positions. Um, but I, I think on the whole, we have the most talented roster. Is that a stretch saying that we have the most talented roster in the East? Oh, uh, yeah. That's a stretch? No, no, no. Oh, so you're with me on that? Okay. Yeah, I mean, and guys, I know that sounds simple, but it is that simple for me. If you look at over the last four recruiting cycles, uh, we have finished on average in the 247 composite rings. On average, we finished number six nationally. Tennessee has finished on average over the last four recruiting cycles number 11th nationally. Florida's finished on average number 13th nationally. Now, if you break that down to the last two recruiting cycles, it becomes even more of a gap between us and Florida and Tennessee. Over the last two recruiting cycles, we finished on average number five nationally, Florida number 12, and Tennessee number 16. Like, look, we're clearly not without holes and flaws. I mean, we have them. The offensive line, I'm still very concerned about that. I'm very anxious to see what that looks like on Saturday. Can't wait, but I'm very anxious. I mean, I, I'm a believer in Eason based on what I saw from him this, during the spring and the summer, but we got to see it. Uh, I believe we have a lot of talent wide receiver, but we got we got to see those guys do it in the actual game and put up production on the field. Uh, we got to see the, the defensive line uh, be able to come get after the pass a little more. See if we're going to be improving the red zone. We have flaws. We have holes. Um, and, mo- and most of our talented players are freshmen and sophomores. So there is a fair amount of inexperience. And so clearly you want both experience and talent. But when faced with a choice between the two, I'm taking talent all day. I, I am. And the fact is we are replacing what was emphatically our worst recruiting class maybe ever. But at least over the course of the last decade. Um, and I'm talking about the 2013 class that was a disaster on so many levels. But replacing that class, that disaster of a class, with the most highly rated recruiting class in the history of Georgia football, at least since the advent of the modern recruiting sites that track uh, these recruiting class rankings. Now, how much of an impact these these guys in this freshman class make in year one and how these guys develop, that remains to be seen. But make no mistake about it, guys. We are clearly a deeper, as Curtis mentioned, any more talented team than we have been over the last two to three years. So for me, again, it's all about the roster. It's all about the Jimmys and the Joes. And I, for one, am of the opinion that we have the best roster in the division, which will push us over the edge. Our schedule might be a little tougher than Florida's, but I like our roster. All right. Uh, let's roll on here to the SEC West. Nobody cares about the West. It's not about the East. Uh, Carl, I'm going to let you start first again. Starting at number seven, go ahead and take it away for us. It is amen. Okay. And with that, uh, their coach gets the pink slip. Oh, dude, if they're if they're last in the West, it's, he's probably gone by midseason if they're heading that way. I mean, they're not going to stand for that. I mean, you heard what their AD said at the spring meetings, right? Yeah. Like, you got to get out of here, man, if it's, that's if we don't win more. Whew, A&M. Why, why, is, why are you so down on A&M, man? They're just... And this is a team you said was going to beat Florida, right? I do 
think they'd be Florida. It's just, I mean, first off, the West is just better than they are. The West is better than the East overall still? Um, Top-heavy-wise, yes. Yeah. I mean, you don't have a team like Vanderbilt and um, Kentucky. There's not as many yeah. gimme games or potential yeah. gimme games. Yeah, I not agree. Not as many in the West. And I think the biggest thing other than that is also, I mean, overall I had them losing UCLA out of conference, which is going to hurt them. And then in conference, Bama, Mississippi State, Auburn, Ole Miss, and LSU. Oh, I mean, you got to think about those. Uh, Ole Miss and LSU are both road games. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's, uh, the Ole Miss situation, the NCAA and Hugh Freeze, that's not throwing you off? I think it's just the fact of like, I mean, if they're losing, if they're losing and it comes to the end of the season, then it's just going to be a storm that they can't right the ship. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. And look, you mentioned you I mean, because you're coming off a stretch where they play Mississippi State and Auburn. I have right. them losing those games, and if they lose those games at that time, they'll be eight and four. And I just don't see them riding right yeah. the ship. And you mentioned you have them losing to UCLA at the Rose Bowl to open the season. I, I think that's that's something to point out here because if they lose that game, those howls for someone's job are going to start from game one, and he better do something big or those are not going to let up. And that public perception can drive these athletic directors to, to, to make some decisions, man. You're absolutely right there. That's an interesting pick. All right. A&M 7th. Who you got 6th? Um, then I got Mississippi State. Um, they're going to be 7-5 and five with 3-5 uh, and five in the SEC. Okay. Mississippi State, 3-5, and 7-5. Gotcha. All right. Who you got in 5th place here? 5th place, I have Arkansas. The Razorbacks. Hold on. You lost no, the ability. I actually have Ole Miss. Ole Miss at fifth. I apologize, everyone. Curtis has clearly lost the ability to read. Yeah. Ole Miss is five, and then Arkansas is four. I had to go back to my schedule, and I had to look at the Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. So Ole Miss five, Arkansas fourth. Okay. So talk about Ole Miss here for a second. So this is a team that's just in, in chaos right now. At least that's from the outside looking in. And they look that way with with Hugh Freeze and his hooker – uh, predilections, uh, perhaps, maybe, maybe not. Uh, the NCAA, they're kind of staring down the barrel of the NCAA. I think they meet on September 11th, maybe? One of those days here pretty soon uh, to meet with the committee on infractions. So that's not enough of a distraction to push them down the list for you? Um, I think the biggest thing is the fact that what they're being accused of and everything, the cheating and all the recruiting violations, hasn't changed the fact that these players are still on the roster that they supposedly did this to get. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of these they, players. They have players. The You're right about that. And I think that you're with the firing of Hugh Freeze, I think if Hugh Freeze had been there, it may be different. But with his firing, I think the team is going to um, come together, not so much to have a great season, but kind of like the um, USC when they were went on kind of probation. They were right. good enough to make uh, the playoffs or, or you know, a big bowl yeah. game, but they couldn't. When, at, um, at the outset, yeah, at the outset. Yeah, and I think – I mean, I have them going 8-4, and four, but Ooh. I still have them – I mean – Aggressive. There's just – I mean, the thing is, there's not that many tough games for them. And I'm I mean, with you. They have a lot of talent, too, still on that yeah, roster. Yeah, I mean, the tough game, the ones I have them losing are the, really the road games. I mean, at Vanderbilt at home, Kentucky is on the road, but Kentucky, like we they talked can be about Kentucky. Her, they can be Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, A&M's at home. That's a huge game to have at home for them. And at Mississippi State, um, I think they're just due. They've lost Mississippi State the last couple of years, and I see them, you know, finally winning this one. You know, I don't think you're that far off. I, I, spoiler alert for me, I don't have Ole Miss last place either. That seems to be the... the the go-to pick for a lot of people right now, just based off all the the chaos at, at that school right now. Um, but I I think they have players, like you said, they cheated for a reason. They got good players when they cheated. 
Uh, and a lot of those guys are still on the roster right now. Uh, I don't want to throw any names out, but you guys, if you follow recruiting, you'll probably figure out who I'm talking about here. Um, so yeah, I'm not I, I'm not gonna hold hold this pick against you, man. I think that's pretty fair there. All right, so you got Arkansas at fourth. Anything on Arkansas? You want to go ahead and move on? I'm done with them. Okay, Arkansas. All right, so the, now we're at the top three. I think this is everyone's top three, or most people's top three, I would say, in the West. You got Bama, Auburn, LSU. How do you see that trio playing out this year? Um, it's gonna be weird the way I have it played out. Okay, hit me. I have all of them. With one loss. Whoa. So they're all beating each other? Um, I have it at that, yes. Okay, so who's beating I who? I have LSU beating Auburn at home. Okay, LSU beating Auburn at home. Okay, it's possible. And then I have Auburn beating Alabama at home in the season. Ooh, and then Alabama beating LSU. Yes. Interesting. And in, at that point, it's going to come down to rankings if I or something if I don't do that. I'm yeah, well, it will come down to the tiebreaker. Uh... I think actually the first time they changed. It used to be that your ranking. See, that's the thing. It changes so much. Yeah, it used to be your ranking. I think now it's your your record in the division. It's the first tiebreaker. I think if it comes down to a three way tie. Yeah, I think it comes down to your record in the division. Then then I think it comes down to your record overall in the SEC. Uh, And then there's just a whole list, dude. I don't. I keep talking. I'm gonna gonna pull this up while you're talking. Either way, with that, I have LSU losing one game total at Alabama. I have Auburn losing two total with the loss at Clemson. Okay, and so, LSU, so you have Auburn losing at Clemson? I do. In third place for you. Um, I guess if you did it off the – I would go off record type thing where the rankings, I could see Auburn being third, LSU being second, and Bamba still first because it's Bamba. Auburn three, LSU, Bamba. Yeah, it's hard. I, I tried to pick against Bamba last year. I tried to be that contrarian, and it just didn't work out for me. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to pick Bamba going undefeated. I think if they were going to lose to anyone on the roster, it's Auburn because it's, that's a tough road. Yeah, I don't, want to, I don't like picking them going undefeated because chances are you're going to lose somewhere along the way. Even though but, I did luckily pick them to go undefeated last year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I bow down to you, sir. I, I'll give you that. I was trying to be a different contrarian last year, and it didn't work out for me. All they did for the first half of the season, I was – Sitting pretty with with AM, but then they failed me. Uh, by the way, three team tie here in the ICC. Uh, first, it's combined head to head record among the tied teams. Uh, then, so that would be a null and void there. Then it, the next one is record of the tied teams within the division. That would be null and void. Uh, then it's head to head competition against the team within the division with the best overall conference record. Then it goes overall conference record against non divisional teams. Then combined record against all common non divisional teams. Record against the common non-divisional teams with the best over blah 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 blah. It's, it's just it's there's a long list there. That'd be a very interesting scenario though, dude, to see if that play out. I mean, it's possible. I don't know if that's how I'm going to roll with it here, but I mean, I I can't fault you. I think it's definitely possible. Um, all right, I'm going to try to roll through this real quick here. I'm not going to spend as much time on the West because I don't care about the West as much. I do care about the West, but I'm about the East right now. Uh, I am not as high on the Arkansas Razorbacks as you, man. You got them fourth. I've got them seventh. Why am I wrong? Tell me why I'm wrong in Arkansas. I think uh, Brandon is Austin Allen. Austin, 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 one yeah. of the Allens. It's, well, yeah, I think Allen he's enough to make a difference right now. I think Dan Enos is a really good offensive coordinator. I agree with you on both those. I, I actually have written down here, Austin Allen is an underrated quarterback. Um, but he did. I mean, if you look at the end of the season last year, he really fell off the second half of the, of the year well, last year. Part of it was he got beat. He did. The offensive line got him, just, got him killed. But how much better is the offensive line going to be this year? I mean, it's the same question we're facing. They were probably a little better than we were last year offensively. Um, but I don't know, man. And then here's my other thing. Like this, They want to be like us, right? I mean, Jim Chaney was 
when he was the first coordinator for Bielema there at Arkansas, uh, and he was the first one that really established that downhill identity that Bielema wanted to establish. And that's who they want to be, but they really weren't that last year. They didn't run the ball that well last year. And on top of that, they lose their top running back in Raleigh Williams to a but medical I think you're DQ. Deshaun Wade, Deval uh, Whaley. Yeah, Deval yeah. Wade. Yeah, one time Georgia commit. Yeah. And he's a good back, man. I agree. I have that, I have him written down. He's a good back, but I mean, he was he was behind Williams for a reason. They're gonna miss Raleigh Williams. Whaley's going to be good. He's a good player. He's not overly explosive. He's, he fits what they want to do, but he's about it right now. And we got David Williams, a transfer from South Carolina. I don't know how good he is. Um, I just I don't know if they're going to be able to be that physical downhill team they want to be. And the West, like you said earlier, it's just it's a tough division. And I I could, I could easily see them finishing in seventh place right now. I I just think they're I don't I don't know if their roster is where it needs to be. You're also losing Drew Morgan, the best receiver. Jeremy Sprinkle tied in last year. Their defense was awful last year. They gave it 426 yards a game. I don't think they'd be that much improved this year. They just don't have anybody who is. And to me, at this point, I don't think they have anyone that's given me any reason to believe they're difference makers on defense. So I just it's a tough because you're right. There's no Vanderbilt. You can say, yep, they're seventh. There's no team like that in the West. But I'm gonna go Arkansas. And I'm probably wrong. I mean, I'm wrong a lot, but I'm gonna go with Arkansas. Uh, then in sixth place, I've got uh, the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm with you. I think they're going to be a pretty good team. I got Ole Miss uh, at seven and five, three and five in conference. I think they're going to be better than people think. I don't think they're going to be great, uh, but you're right. They do have some, some players. I mean, they have they have some studs offensively. Shea Patterson can absolutely play. He's the real deal quarterback. I mean, he's a little mini Johnny Manziel, really good player. Uh, I I think and tell me if you disagree. I I think they have the best wide receiver core in the league. Is that too? Is that crazy? No. I mean Van Jefferson, AJ Brown, Markel Pack, Demarcus Lodge. I think that's the best wide receiver core in the league, along with Shea Patterson, quarterback, who's a dual threat kind of guy. I man, that offense is going to score points. Uh, I think they also on defense. Now the defense is what hurt them a lot last year. They had some injuries. Um, but I think they have maybe the best pure pass rusher in the league in Marquise Hayes at defensive end. And they had a couple of good interior defensive linemen in Breland Speaks and Benito Jones. I mean, the rest of the defense is a mess. The rest of it is a mess. But if your defensive line is good, I mean, you at least have a chance. Like, you're at least in decent shape. Um, honestly, if it wasn't for the freeze and NCAA mess, I would probably be with you, man, have them a spot or two higher. But for that reason, I'm going to knock them down just a notch. Um, then I got Mississippi State. And I had Mississippi State actually finishing with the same record as Ole Miss, but I had Mississippi State beating Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, which is back on a Thursday night, which is where it should be. That's where it was when I was a kid. I always watched it on Thanksgiving night there. Um, but I got Mississippi State 7-5, 3-5 in the league. Look, man, all the time around Mississippi State is around who? It's all around Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. I mean, that's when people talk about Mississippi State, they are going to talk about Nick Fitzgerald. And I agree, he's a perfect fit for what Mullen wants to do offensively, and he was the second-leading rusher in the SEC last season. I mean, he's a good player. But he was also highly inefficient as a passer. People just gloss over that. He was even more inefficient as a passer than Jacob Eason was last year. So I'm not so sure he's the budding Heisman Trophy candidate that some out there make him out to be. I mean, his 6.8 yards per play last season, they put him right in the middle of the pack of SEC quarterbacks, behind even Sean White last year. So I don't know, man. I mean, and now you could also say this about anyone because most players struggle with they, – they struggle more against better competition – but against the three best defenses he faced last year, LSU, Auburn, and Bama, his numbers dropped precipitously. He only completed 50% of his passing against LSU for 120 yards, only had 13 yards on 13 carries. Since Auburn, he was 17-34, 50% again for 181 yards passing, 17 rushes for 61, so a decent run of the football. Against Bama, I know it's Bama's defense, I get it, but still, 
He's only 10 of 33, a little over 30, like 30-ish percent passing. Actually, a little less than 30%. I suck at math, but not good. Uh, Against Bama, 145 yards passing, 11 rushes, 15 yards. Against the better defenses he faced, he wasn't that dynamic. Uh, And I happen to think that there's some good defenses in the ICC. So we'll see if he's able to do that next step. I'm not 100% sure. I think he's a good player. I don't know if he is a transcendent-type talent. Some people want to make him out to be. Uh, Then in fourth place, I'm going to disagree with you here a little bit, man. I've got the LSU Tigers coming in fourth. I am not. You have them seven and one in the league. Is yes. that right? Seven and one. And dude, you could you you could totally be right. I'm not trying to hate on you. I just don't see it for LSU this it year. It all depends on how the offense changes. I mean, but, if the offense is change enough to where it could actually make a difference. Yeah, but if Danny Etling is, even if your offense changes, if Danny Etling is your quarterback, I mean, how much better can you be? Yeah, I mean that's fair. But if you have a great scheme, that can just make up for a lot. That's fair too. I mean, that's fair. But I think Etling is serviceable at best. At best. And he's coming off of – and people are glossing over this too. The dude had back surgery of the offseason. If you guys have ever had back injuries, that is nothing to play around with, man. And there's no guarantee when the bullet star finally gets hit that he's going to be able to withstand the entire season. And he might be riding on a true freshman. I don't know, man. Now, Darius Geis is as good as they come at running back. I'm really high on him. I love his angry running style and that blend of home run speed and power. But – there's no two-headed running back monster like there was last year with him and Fournette. It's just him. Uh, DJ Shar's the nice wide receiver, but he's not dominant. I, Matt Canada, are you are you buying the Matt Canada thing? Are you really buying that? Not, not as much, no. I mean, he had a good year at Pitt last year. He really he turned that offensive right now. Although I will say, he kind of, I, I'm of the opinion that he kind of benefited from Jim Chain laying the foundation at Pitt, and he kind of came in and, and he did get them to be more productive. I'll give him that, um, but. Let's not forget the fact that Matt Canada went to Pittsburgh because he basically got fired at NC State. Okay? I mean, this guy got ran out of town in Raleigh with with the Wolfpack. I mean, again, at NC State, his offense has never finished above 57th nationally. And that was with Jacoby Brissett, an NFL quarterback, on the roster. And he may may improve this offense. He probably will because they've been that bad offensively and just that vanilla. But I don't know if he's this home run answer type hire for LSU. We'll see. Um, you also got a, a starting offensive lineman kicked off in August and Maya Tahuma. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Defensively, Arden Key is back, yeah. But he put off off-season shoulder surgery until late in the spring because he took out time off for personal issues. And Borgeron said he's likely to miss at least the opening against BYU. And who knows how healthy or game ready he's going to be when he comes back. I still don't think they have any game-changing interiors of linemen. They lose both inside linebackers. Duke Ride now playing for the Falcons. You lose Jamal Adams and Tredavious White in the secondary. It's kind of like Tennessee. I think they can replace some of those guys. I just don't see how you replace all of them. That's a lot of production to lose in one year. Uh, Then I got A&M coming in third. Uh, I was high on them last year coming in the season. Like I said, they made me look smart for about half the season, but then they did what they do, and they face-planted. Look, I I am not super confident on this pick here with A&M. I'm not near as high on them this year. They are replacing their quarterback and five of their top six wide receivers. I totally get that. Oh, yeah, and some guy named Miles Garrett, they are replacing him too. But they have recruited well. They have some nice pieces. Uh, probably going to start a, a redshirt freshman quarterback with Nick Starkle is what it sounds like. But they got some dudes on that offense too. Running back Trayvon Williams averaged almost seven yards a rush last year as a freshman. Christian Kirk may be the best wide receiver in the league, maybe at least the most explosive wide receiver in the league. So he'll give opposing defense coordinators headaches. Defensively, you still got to see it there. And look, LSU could easily finish above AM. Easily could, but I this is more so this pick of AM at number three is more so me just being down on LSU than it is high on AM. And that leaves me with the top two, Alabama and Auburn. 
I got the tide rolling here, uh, winning the West again. I just, at this point, can't pick against them right now. I just can't. Uh, much like my rationale for picking us in the East, Bama just has by far the best roster in the West and really the entire SEC, if we're being honest here. Yeah, they did lose a great deal of production defensively. But unlike Florida, who's going to be replacing elite production with average to maybe slightly above average players, Bama's going to be replacing elite production with elite talent. I mean, you got guys like Deron Payne, Sean Dion Hamilton, Minka Fitzpatrick, Tony Brown still on that defense. Offensively, you got Jalen Hurts back for his sophomore year. And he, were you a hater of Jalen Hurts last year, Kurt? Were you one of those guys no, that was hating really. on him? No, I wasn't either. I mean, he had moments where he looked like a freshman, but the dude got them to the national title game. And I know it wasn't just him, but... He was a big part of that. Uh, he's back. You got Calvin Ridley, who's another guy who might be uh, up there with Christian Kirk, maybe the best wide receiver in the league. You got Bo Scarborough, really came on late. Najee Harris, big five-star recruit coming in to, to take some of those carries. Offensive lineman Jonah Williams, who started as a true freshman last year. I mean, they're just loaded, dude. This, it's Bama. I, I just don't see anyone taking it from them. Auburn, though, I think it's going to finish second, ahead of LSU, ahead of A&M. And it pains me to say this. The reason for my pick of Auburn number two is I believe Jarrett Stidham is going to be the answer for them at quarterback. Uh, I have Auburn finishing 10-2 and overall, 6-2 and in the league, just a hair behind Bama. I do have Bama going 12-0. and I didn't want them to go 12-0, and but I just, right now, I don't know if I can pick against them. I just don't know if I can. Um, my pick on Auburn, though, I will say, in my opinion on Stidham is still contingent upon Malzahn truly relinquishing control of the offense of Chip Lindsey, but I do believe Malzahn wants to keep his job, and I think he understands for him to do that. The best chance for that to happen is for him to allow Lindsay to run the show. Because Lindsay's offensive scheme is very similar to what Stidham ran at Baylor. Not a carbon copy, but similar. Uh, then you factor in, you got Cam Petway with the power running game to go along with Stidham. Uh, the wide receivers aren't proven, but I, I don't know how much of that is on them versus bad quarterback play. And they're all really highly rated recruits coming out of high school. Defensively, I know you're down on them defensively, right? You think they're going to take a step back? Um, I mean, they'll have some good players, but they lost. I mean, the thing is, when you had... Um... Well, my mind went blank on the Montavious guy. Montavious Adams the, and Carl Lawson. Yeah, Montavious Adams. Um, he, you know, required a lot of double teams, which opened it up for the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're talking, you're talking about um, uh, Marlon Davidson there? Yeah. Yeah, Marlon Davidson, true freshman, started defensive end last year. And I think you're absolutely right. He benefited heavily from Montavious Adams and Carl Lawson commanding so much attention. I think Davidson's good, but it'll be very interesting to see how good he really is I mean, as a number one so guy. I mean, we've seen so many times where, I mean – even at Georgia, where guys are so good, when there's someone else to focus on them, when it when it changes, they aren't. Yeah, when you know, you're the guy, when you're not, the guy, can good, you be the guy? Yeah, exactly. Can you be the guy and still? Well, when you're getting double team, can you still win those battles? Because he saw a single cover. He got he saw single matchups, uh, or or he he had man up situations quite often last year, and he won those to his credit quite often. But I don't know how many of those he's going to see because he's going to be the guy on that defensive line this year. See how he adjusts to that. Um, but I don't see a huge step back defensively. I know you're losing Carl Lawson. You're losing Montrevis Adams. And if you guys saw us when we played him, Montrevis Adams lived in our backfield. Now, part of that was because uh, Cablano and, and company could not really do much at all. Couldn't bust a great. But the fact was, he was really good. Um, so, yeah. And Deshaun Davis. I want to mention his thing because during my uh, film summer film breakdown, this dude, this dude flashed me every time I put on Auburn tape. Deshaun Davis is a very good inside backer. He's active. He's quicker than he looks. Um, he's got really good athleticism. He hits hard. Uh, he, he brings the thunder, man. So he's a good player. So I think Auburn. I don't know if they're ready to beat Bama. I think Bama again. Their roster is just better than Auburn. I know it's. I know this game is at Auburn, but that's one of the most overrated places that I've ever been at in terms of their hostile the hostility there in the state. I don't think it's that that hostile of an environment. It's 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 way overrated. I will say I do have Auburn beating Clemson. 
I had them going into Death Valley and winning that football game. I also think Clemson, the Death Valley, their version of Death Valley, I think that's also one of the most overrated plays. I don't think it's that hostile of a crowd. I really don't, at least when when I've seen us play there. Uh, all right, so that is the SEC East and West. And Kurt, I want to real quickly circle back to uh, us because neither one of us gave, at least I didn't. I, I can't remember if you did. Uh, but if you did, just go ahead and do it real quick again. What do you see our overall record being? What's your prediction? Uh, I stick to eleven one. I think. I could Whoa, Homer! Homer alert! I want to say ten and two with the loss to Mississippi State, but I just I want to right now I'm seeing stick to eleven and one. Mm, who's the loss to? Mississippi State or to Auburn? Auburn. I, yeah, I have us losing to Auburn too. I okay. I'm a Homer too. Um, again, we try to be as objective as possible. But I'm not 11 and one Homer. Okay, that's I'll let you sit on that on that limb. Hey, but hey, dude, if that happens, I will bow down to you forever, um, and I will will be happy every second of it because that means that we'll probably we have a very good chance of going to the playoff. So I will gladly be wrong there. Uh, I got us at 10 and two. Um, I could see 11 and one happening. I, I'm not saying that's out of the question. I don't think it's likely, um, but I, I I think 10 and two, nine and three is probably the more likely option there. But 11 and one could happen. I got 10 and two. I also have a loss at Auburn. If there was a second loss in the schedule, are you saying it's going to be Mississippi State at home? In my opinion, yes. I think that's while we know, everyone talks about South Carolina as a trap game. I think Mississippi State is too. Not Florida. Well, Florida you get a bye week. That's true, but so did Florida. So did the Gators. Well, yeah, but I think the bye week will help us the most. That's what a true Georgia fan would say. Now I'm with you there. Um, South Carolina, that trap game between sandwich between Florida and Auburn. Well, I think it's not a trap game because everyone knows it's there. I think you're going to be talking about it all, all season. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think Mississippi State's going to not get talked about as much as South Carolina. South Carolina is recruiting all these different things. Yeah, I mean, we got at Notre Dame, then you got a sleep sleepwalking game at Samford or Samford at home, and then Mississippi State rolls into town. I, it, it could definitely happen. I think I know a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy because everyone, at least people that I talk to and and read their stuff on Twitter and whatnot and message boards. A lot of George fans are just convinced that we're going to roll our helmets out there in South Bend and beat Notre Dame. Ah, man, that team scares me. They scare the holy hell out of me. And I know their defense is not good. I know that. But that offense is scary. And we're going to have to score points to keep up with that team. And so we better hope that our offense is as improved as we hope it is and that we're going to be able to run on that defense. And our offensive line is going to be able to handle that because that team is going to score points, even on our defense. I know our defense is going to be good. But, man, they got some players there. I know they're replacing the quarterback. I get that. But – Got two really two really good offensive line, two NFL caliber offensive line, maybe first round talents. Um, EQ St. Brown, man, the dude's just an absolute terror at wide receiver. I mean, God, he's good. He's scary good. Um, and CJ Sanders, another jitterbug type guy playing that slot. Very good player, man. Josh Adams is okay at running back. Um, but if I had to pick a second loss right now, and I don't want to say this, I'm gonna spend a, I'm spending a lot of money to go to this game, and I this is probably the biggest game, or this is the game I probably look most forward to in my life. Um, but I, if I, if there was a second loss right now, I'm, I'm saying maybe probably Notre Dame, either at Notre Dame, could be at Tennessee. I mean, we didn't talk about that. Could that happen? It very well could. We go, that's always a tough place to play. You know, I've been there a couple of oh, times. You know, I almost went there when they said Mississippi State on my second loss. Yeah. I, you I know what, now that I look at it, is at Tennessee more of a, a chance to lose than, than at Notre Dame? I think so because I think that Tennessee, you know, has certain there's certain things about it where they're they're still you know they've lost a piece, but I still think they're gonna be solid all around compared to Notre Dame, which is it's gonna be similar to uh, yeah. uh, last year, who was you know favored one side of the ball. And the Hill people there, that is truly a hostile environment. I was talking down about Death Valley 
and uh, and Auburn Jordan Hare. But uh, Tennessee, that's that's a legit environment, and we've had trouble there in the past. And anytime we go there, it makes me nervous. That erector set of a stadium they've got there, just big and loud, uh, and they love their football. I I just think that I think the Notre Dame roster is better than Tennessee roster right now, at least offensively. But man, I don't know. Our guys are going to be jacked to win that game. Notre Dame is going to be jacked to win because they want to make a statement against the SEC team. You know they do. All right, maybe it's at it's at Tennessee. Is you convinced me? Maybe it's at Tennessee is the most likely loss. One of those games. Let's either at Notre Dame or at Tennessee is the second loss. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. I know I'm supposed to have all the answers, guys. I don't have all the answers. I just I want to say we're 11 and one with a loss at Auburn. I feel like Auburn's probably the most likely loss on the schedule, but. I just don't know if I can sit here and say 11-1 right now. I just don't know if that's likely. 10-2 with a second loss somewhere along the way. Uh, all right, real quickly here, Kerr. Uh, we don't spend too much time on this, but let's just throw out some quick playoff picks. Uh, if you had to pick four teams right now, and this was hard for me, dude. Like I, Because I think all teams outside of Bama, and even Bama's flawed to a degree, but I think every team has some major flaws. So this is a very tough one for me to try to pick these four teams right now. But who'd you come up with? Um, I went Bama, FSU, Oklahoma, and USC. Bama, FSU, Oklahoma, and USC. All right, so I had FSU initially. Their offensive line, dude, is not very good. They almost got Francois killed last year. Maybe they'll be improved this year. I, but I know there's a lot of consternation over that still over there in down there in Tallahassee. Um, and it's hard for me to pick a team to be in the playoff if your offensive line is, is just not that good. Um, and I, I feel confident Bama's going to beat them because their defensive line versus Florida State's offensive line is such a bad matchup for Florida State. And it, I think they play in, I mean, is the ACC Atlantic the best division in college football this year? With Florida State, Clemson, Louisville, NC State's, I think, going to be better. Is that the best division in college football? Uh, it could be. I don't know. I wanted to pick Florida State. I, I left them out because of the offensive line. I got Bama, I got Ohio State, USC, um, and I didn't really want to pick USC because I generally hate the bowl bump teams get and the overaction that comes along with that. But like I said, every team has fallen this year, and when that's the case, I kind of look at the schedule. So this pick for USC, for me, is all about their schedule. There's no Washington on that schedule. They get Stanford, Texas, and UCLA at home. Their toughest road games are at Washington State and at Notre Dame. Uh, and it doesn't hurt to have a great quarterback. I don't think their roster, their entire roster is really there yet, but this is probably the best team in the Pac-12, right? And yeah. if they win the Pac-12, I mean, you got a really good shot, especially with a favorable schedule there. Here's my off-the-radar pick, okay? So i got Bama, Ohio State, USC, and coming in fourth, the Oklahoma State, Poklahoma Cowboys. I got them over Oklahoma, man. I got them over Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma State is the best offense in the Big 12. you got Rudolph back at quarterback. you got James Washington uh, at receiver. But it's not just Washington. Over 1,200 yards receiving last year. you got Jalen McCleskey. Marcel Aitman's come back from a— a season-ending injury last year. Justice Hill at running back. Their defense is no good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Their defense is not any good. But that's kind of par for the course in the Big 12. Teams in the Big 12 win with great offense and just enough defense. And Oklahoma State, I think, has the best offense in the league. I, I, I still have questions about Oklahoma. I know you got Baker Mayfield back. You're losing a lot of production in the running back position. You're also losing D.D. Westbrook. And let's not forget Bob Stoops is gone, dude. Does that not give you any pause for concern there? Uh-huh. A little bit, kind of. Maybe You're not buying the Oklahoma State pick? You're not buying that? I'm not just too much. Yeah, I know. I just had to go off the radar a little bit there. All right, so and then who's who do you, who is in the title game for you? Bama and FSU again meeting. Mm, who you got? Bama again. Yeah, I got Bama and Ohio State. I'm not super high on Ohio State either. Their offense, I, I don't know, man. JT Barrett, for all the talk about him, he wasn't very good last year. Barely over 2,500 yards passing. 
But defensively, Ohio State's really, really good. They have an Alabama-level front seven. Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis, Nick Bosa, Jalen Holmes, Chris Worley, a linebacker. So I think that defense is going to carry them into the title game against Bama, and I got Bama taking them out there. All right, guys. So those are – well, real quick before we wrap it up here, SEC title game. You got us and Bama. Do we have any chance to win that football game? No. No chance? Not really. No. We got a chance, right? If you go out there, you got a chance. Not I'm with you. They're not a good one. Like what? What, what would you put it like? Five percent, ten percent, one percent? Probably. Yeah, five percent somewhere on there. Yeah, yeah. I got Alabama winning the winning the SEC again. Hopefully, we can give them a run for their money if we get there. But we'll see. But all right, guys, that does do it for us here on our predictions edition of the Gore UGA podcast. We got SEC and some national predictions in there as well. Um, if you are listening to the show on Tuesday, we have a Twitter poll running right now at Glory underscore UGA that will give you guys a chance to voice your opinion on our 2017 win total. So jump on Twitter and give us your take. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We tried to fit a lot in here, so of course you probably missed something here or there, but we're trying to fit all into one show. But uh, hope you did enjoy it. Make sure to check back with us, guys, on Thursday because it is game week. We will have our game one official preview on Thursday. Take a look at the Appalachian State Mountaineers and how we match up with them going into game one here on Saturday, guys. I can't wait, man. It is just around the corner. So, as always, guys, thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Go dogs. Let's get this done, guys. 